0: Welcome to episode 12 of the Vera Shafiq podcast, real and relevant discussions on business, marketing, technology, and digital. I'm your host, Vera Shafiq, and I talk to people in business and marketing who care about doing marketing the right way and want to be proud of the work they do. It's Tuesday, April the 2nd, 2019. Thanks for listening. Please review and subscribe, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, guys. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about a subject which is more general than marketing. It's really just running a business. And so, of course, marketing is a component of running a business. But I wanted to talk at a higher level about running a business and using a system by which you can make sure that you're running your business in a streamlined fashion And are really not worrying about the minutiae or the little details of getting, you know, getting into the weeds of the business, but um, running the business as an entrepreneur with a solid leadership team, making sure that the processes that you have put in place allow you to hire the right people and allow you to uh, scale the business, make it effective, make it hit goals and using data um, as a guide. And all the good stuff that um, kind of sounds obvious and no-brainer, but... Uh, really needs to have some kind of system in place for you to be able to run a successful business. And uh, being an ex-business owner myself, this is a subject that's really near and dear to my heart. And a few years ago, I read a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. And this book really did kind of illuminate the necessity to have a system in place in order to be a successful business owner and run a successful organization. So I wanted to go over some of the key Points that Gina Wickman, who wrote Traction, uh, makes in the book, and um, of course, it's no substitute to actually reading the book itself because it's a very powerful book. And I truly believe that if you follow the system in the book, you're gonna kind of uh, hit that kind of eureka moment where you're like, "Oh, okay, this is this is exactly what I've needed to guide me through." It's almost like a little playbook for running a business, and so. What Gina Wickman does is he outlines right at the beginning beginning of the book, six key components of any organization. And if you have these six key components in place, you're going to have a much easier and streamlined way of running your business. And it's um, dubbed the EOS, which stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. And that's the entire system that Gina Wickman bases this book on. And so the six components that he talks about right at the beginning are vision, people, issues, traction, process, and data. I'll say those again. Vision, people, issues, traction, process, and data. And those are really the six puzzle pieces that when all put together and plugged together in a nice little tight Package are going to make your business uh, work much better. It's going to be a well-oiled machine, and so I just wanted to go over each of those components and just talk a little bit about what Gino Wickman describes in his book and outlines in his book. Hopefully, it will give you some insight into what you could do to improve your business processes. So, the first component which I talked, which I mentioned, was vision, and Gino Wickman says that you need to answer simply eight questions. And as long as you can answer eight questions, you and your leadership team will be able to clearly state your vision and ultimately enable everyone in the organization to see where you want to go. So it's really the vision for the business as a whole, the long-term vision and the short-term vision. And more importantly, it um, needs to be done in less than two pages. So you need to boil your vision down, To a couple pages, it's not like some extravagant um, manifesto that you need to come up with or anything. It's really answering eight simple questions. Those simple questions are, number one, what are your core values? So as a business, what are your core values? Number two, what is your core focus? Number three, what is your 10-year target? Number four, what is your marketing strategy? Number five, what is your three-year picture? Number six, what is your one-year plan? Number seven, what are your quarterly rocks? And more on that in a little bit. And then number eight, what are your issues? So um, answering those eight questions might sound simple, but it's actually, it probably take you some time to actually get down into the weeds and understand and put together the answer to those eight questions. And you should do that with your leadership team um, by your side. Uh, and, the, and and I just want to dive a little bit deeper into one of those, since this is a marketing podcast, I wanted to talk about the question, which was, what is your marketing strategy? So in the book, Gina Wickman goes into a little bit more detail as to how to figure out what your marketing strategy is. And as any good marketer knows, uh, there are some key components to defining your marketing strategy. One of those is defining your target audience or your target market so no matter what you might think not everybody is your customer and you need to really hone in on your niche audience understand who your audience is and do not try and be everything to everyone so that's the key you know number one point of defining your marketing strategy the second point would be to define your three uniques and by uniques uh, Gina Wickman means that you need to come up with three differentiators or value propositions, which if you line yourself up against 10 of your competitors, you might all share one of these uniques and some of you may even share two of those uniques, but no one else should have the three uniques that you do. So you want to sit down and come up with the three unique characteristics that really make your company, your organization, your offering something different than the competition Then the third piece of defining the marketing strategy is to come up with your proven process. So there is a proven way that you provide your service or your product to your customers. You do it every time and it produces the same result. It's it's what got you where you are. What you need to do is capture that process in a visual format to guide your sales team. So really coming up with a definition and an illustration of what your company's unique proven process is. And then finally, the last part of your marketing strategy is defining your guarantee. So that is that, um, for example, the example, some of the examples that Gina Wickman gives is think of what FedEx did with their overnight delivery Uh, They said when it absolutely positively has to be there on time, that was their tagline. Or actually, it's when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. So that's for overnight shipping. And that was their guarantee, right? Domino's Pizza did the same thing with pizza delivery, where they said 30 minutes or it's free. So this is something that you as an organization can come up with you know, with your leadership team, um, discuss it, talk about it and really understand and define that promise or that guarantee that you are offering. And once you have those four pieces in place, you pretty much have a well-defined marketing strategy in terms of the, um, the vision component that is outlined in this book, Traction. The next of the six key components is the people component. And the people component is all about surrounding yourself with the right people. And that really means hiring the right people and putting them in the right positions in order to make your business win. And it all comes down to getting the right people in the right seats. This is quoting Gina Wickman in his book. And the idea of putting those people in the right seats also comes from another great uh, book writer who was Jim Collins, who wrote the book Good to Great. And uh, he talks about that in his book as well. So the right people are the ones who share your company's core values and they fit in and they thrive with your culture. And that's the key to hiring the right people. So um, the premise behind this people component is that you can have the right person in the wrong seat, which is okay because... If they're the right person, they're a good culture fit. They fit the organization. They reflect the core values. They're the right makeup of a person that works for your company, but they may be in the wrong seat. You may have given them a role that isn't right for them. And the uh, advice that Gina gives is that your job in this situation is to move this person out of that seat and into a seat that is right for them um, and put them in a position where they will be successful. So wrong person, sorry, right person, wrong seat is an okay scenario. As long as you can find them the right seat, you can shuffle them around and find them a place where they they are going to help you to make your organization successful. But when you have the wrong person in the right seat, that's where you may be in some murky waters because having the wrong person in the right seat means that, okay, they're able to do the job they're you know, probably competent enough to fill the role that you've put them in, but they're the wrong fit for your organization. They don't fit well into the culture. They may not have the mindset or the psychology that really causes your culture and your organization to thrive. In fact, they may kind of be a toxic influence on your culture. And so having the wrong person in the right seat is definitely something that requires uh, sending that person on their way. And unfortunately, um, for the sake of the greater good, you're going to make sure that that person does not have a place in your organization. So In order to help analyze this, Gina Wickman provides a tool, which is the People Analyzer. And it's a little table that allows you to check off some points about each employee or each team member and to understand whether they are the right person or they're the wrong person. So, uh, you know, obviously, if you read the book, you'll see that. And it kind of gives you a very handy little way of figuring out uh, who the right people are. And then hand in hand with having the right people in the right seats is the accountability chart. And that's making sure that each person, once they are in the right seat, have um, some kind of accountability or way of keeping you know, track of what they're responsible for and making sure that they have the motivation and the drive and the tools and um, all the necessary support in order to meet the goals that that, that have been set for them. Another key part of the people component is having people in the leadership team that fit specific goals for the company. And the two main components of the um, leadership team that Gina Wickman outlines are integrators versus visionaries. So the integrator is, as Gino Wickman says in the book, he uses the term integrator to cut through all the wonderful titles for this role, such as CEO, president, general manager, king, or queen. It doesn't matter what you call it, but the bottom line is that the integrator is the person who has the unique ability to run the organization, manage day-to-day issues that arise, and integrate the three major functions. So the integrator is the glue that holds the company together. Um, And so an integrator is by nature someone who's a very um, people oriented, is able to understand the way people function, the way their job roles function, is able to dilute or diffuse any kind of conflict or any issues and can fight fires and just make sure that uh, everyone in the company is harmoniously working together. And um, that may involve friction, which is a healthy friction. So, you know, that's not to say that the integrator will not come across or even cause some kind of healthy conflict or debate. But the fact is that that role is able to handle it and able to um, deal with it and solve it and facilitate that, you know, members of the team are able to solve friction and solve problems. So that's why the integrator is called the integrator. They're the glue that holds the company together. Then the other piece of the leadership team that the top level kind of executive is the visionary. And the visionary is completely the opposite of the integrator. The visionary typically has 10 new ideas a week, Nine of them might not be so great, but one of them usually is. And visionaries are typically very creative. They come up with all the ideas. They solve big, ugly problems, but not little practical ones, and are great with important clients, vendors, suppliers, and banking relationships. So while integrators are typically good at leading and managing and holding people accountable, um, the visionary is kind of like, you know, has their their higher level kind of 30,000 foot view of where they want the company to go and often comes up with, you know, innovative ideas, ways to uh, make the company, you know, more cutting edge, you know, wants to implement all the shiny objects, et cetera, and um, really has uh, a different dynamic in terms of the mindset And if you're just starting out, uh, you know, your startup or maybe your business that um, doesn't have a system in place currently and maybe looking for some kind of direction, you may realize that you have a visionary, but no integrator. And it's very common to see that. And um, that can cause problems because the visionary is constantly frustrated with his or her lack of traction. The visionary is able to come up with the big ideas, you know, um, you know, dream up the vision the the, the long term view the you know the the fancy kind of ideas for the company but at the end of the day putting it into ex- execution and finding a way to actually implement these these ideas for the visionary is really hard so that's why uh, you know they need the integrator to help them and to be their right hand person And another part of the people component is understanding the GWC behind each team member. GWC stands for got it or gets it, wants it, and has the capacity to do it. So G is gets it, W wants it, and C has the capacity to do it. And those are generally, uh, according to Gina Whitman, the three guidelines or the three checkboxes that you need to make sure that you uh, tick in order to understand whether a team member really is up to scratch, up to the task, um, and able to fulfill their role as the organization needs them to. So if someone gets it, then that that someone really understands their role, they understand the culture and the systems and the pace of the company and how the job comes together. If somebody wants it, that means that they genuinely love their job, They understand the role, they want to do it based on fair compensation and the responsibility. And then if someone has the capacity to do it, it means that they have the time as well as the mental, physical and emotional capacity to do a job well. Sometimes a position might require a commitment of 55 hours a week where the person is only willing to commit 50. So that's an example of that person not having the capacity to do it. So if you look at the whole picture, the GWC, uh, that's a way to understand the viability of a team member and to really kind of gauge whether they're going to be a good addition to the team or not. So the third key component is called data. And the data component boils down to really making sure that you have enough information and metrics in order to run the company effectively and efficiently and uh, account- accountably. And the key, I guess, uh, feature of the data component is the scorecard. So, Gina Wickman lays out the maxim that anything that is measured and watched is improved. So, you know, in order to Manage You need to be able to measure really is is what it boils down to. And if you are able to measure, you should have some kind of data, some kind of metrics that are being recorded on a regular basis, whether it's a dashboard, a flash report, scoreboard metrics, something measurable, you know, key performance indicators, etc., whatever you call it, it's a handful of numbers that tell you at a glance how your business is doing. And so the scorecard is an essential part of the data component. And what Gina Wickman specifies is that those numbers need to all be on one piece of paper and everyone in the company needs to be accountable for a specific number. And weekly, each you know team all the team members get together and uh, report on their expected goals for the week on you know each category on the scorecard so the scorecard really is the barometer that helps businesses and the leadership team to understand where they are on a weekly basis in terms of hitting goals and keeping up with um, key performance indicators and so I mentioned the fact that everyone in the company has a number and what that means is that, you know, each each team member has a number which they are responsible for and making sure that they're driving that number in the right direction. For example, you know, the digital marketing director's number may be leads or conversions or sales or revenue but once they've been allocated a specific metric or number that becomes the number that they are accountable for and that they need to help drive and of course many team members could have the same could could be accountable for the same number so it's not like a unique number for each person but Making sure that everyone has a number really does a few things. Number one, it cuts through the murky subjective communication between managers and direct reports. So it makes it kind of crystal clear um, as to what um, a team member is accountable for and what they're working towards. And there's no un- misunderstanding or you know, confusion as to what is expected from that team member and what, is, what they are supposed to be doing to drive the business. Um, The other thing is that numbers create accountability. So that's really part and parcel of the same thing. And then accountable people appreciate numbers. So it's not really like, it's not like you're slave driving your team members to kind of meet their goals. And if not, they're going to get like 15 lashes of the whip or something like that. It's actually something that people appreciate because it gives them some kind of goalpost. Uh, on which to base their daily activities and it gives them something to work towards. So accountability is something that people appreciate. And also the numbers create clarity and commitment and uh, that's a good thing. Another great thing is that numbers create competition. So if you have multiple team members that are working towards the same number, You're creating a healthy competition and giving them some real motivation to hit their goals because obviously, you know, who, who doesn't love a good, healthy competition and then numbers produce results. So if you're using numbers, then you're making sure that, you know, things are moving in the right direction. I mean, there's no two ways about it. If, if you're hitting your numbers and those numbers are positive, then you're producing results for the organization and then numbers create teamwork, and also they help you to solve problems faster. The next component um, out of the six key components is the issues. So issues are things that might crop up and that always will crop up in an organization. You know, they may be problems or they may be challenges. And most leadership teams spend their time discussing the heck out of everything, but really solving nothing. And that's draining. It Drain your energy if you're, you know, having a lot of work to do and you're not resolving the issues. You're not getting past those issues and you seem to be spinning around in a hamster wheel. You're not really going anywhere. And so a vital first step is creating a workplace where people feel comfortable calling out the issues that stand in the way of the vision. And so what Gina Wickman says is that there should be a list of issues that are discussed on a weekly basis in a weekly team meeting. And those issues, issues should be kind of listed down on the spreadsheet or whatever the leadership team uses. And those issues should be discussed and resolved. And um, there's a kind of a, a mnemonic that he uses, which is IDS. And IDS stands for identify, discuss, and solve. So first of all, you want to identify the problems or the issues. Then you want to discuss them. And then you want to solve them. Then the next component is the process component. The process component is really all about finding your way. Um, And finding your way involves making sure that you document and democratize Processes for different departments or different areas of your organization. And usually you'll have processes in some key areas such as HR, marketing, sales, operations, accounting, and customer attention. The key to coming up with your processes is to really simplify things and make everything as streamlined and simple as possible. So don't put don't introduce too many steps, don't try and um make it too complicated or too crazy. What you really want to do is simplify the processes in a document and then keep that document in a place where uh anyone who needs to access them can access them. And so here's a quote from the book about processes. Checklists have been an extremely effective tool for my clients to create consistency, quality control, and repeatable results. Please consider this heavily when documenting your core processes. There's a reason pilots and healthcare professionals use them. Countless studies have shown the considerable difference between using them or not. Use them for proposals, events, project management, and account management, to name a few. And finally, the last component is traction. And uh, you'd think that would be the most important component since that's the name of the book. And um, so the author says, in the end, the most successful business leaders are the ones with traction. They execute well and they know how to bring focus, accountability and discipline to their organization. Uh, One of the key aspects of traction is that um, everyone in the company should have a rock And a rock is a clear 90-day priority, which is designed to keep the team focused on what is most important. The second discipline requires implementing what is called a meeting pulse at all levels in the organization, which will keep everyone focused, aligned, and in communication. So traction's all about executing on the plan. So taking all those other components, you know, the vision, the data, the processes, the people, and the issues, and putting them all into like one big uh, game plan and executing and making sure that things get done in the right way. And as I mentioned, the rocks are a big part of the traction. So Having a rock means, um, first of all, sitting down with the leadership team and sitting down with the rest of the team and understanding what rocks you are going to set for the next 90 days. So typically that will be per quarter and the rocks should be directly correlated or directly linked to the vision that you have come up with and they should be driving results for the company. So in order to come up with or identify your rocks, you'll sit down and you'll discuss all of the things that need to be completed or uh, achieved within the next 90 days. And typically, you're going to come up with 10 to 20 things that you'd like to close out. Um, Then with that list of 10 to 20 items in front of you, you're going to discuss, debate, and determine the most important priorities for the company in that next 90 days. Um, And then you're going to make a decision on each one, whether you should keep it or kill it or combine it as a company rock for the quarter. Then once you've narrowed your list, you're going to set the date that the rocks are due. And that's typically by the end of the quarter. And a rock should be a specific, measurable and attainable goal. So, for example, close three core accounts or hire a new controller so it's not an open-ended, you know, to-do to-do kind of item that really has no specific goal. It needs to be created in a smart way. So being specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-sensitive. So you want to define your your rocks and then assign who owns each rock. So step 4 in the rock process would be to figure out which team or which individual is the owner of that rock so that they have more accountability for that. And then once the company rocks are set, the members of the leadership team set their own rocks. So they first carry forward any company rocks that they own to their individual list of rocks, and then they come up with their own most important three to seven And then the final step is, when all the great work is done, you then create what is called the rock sheet, which is a landscaped piece of paper. So some of the traps and pitfalls of uh, creating and sticking with rocks can be um, that you're not setting the correct rocks or you're rushing the process. So as Gina Wickman says, garbage in, garbage out. And so whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. So if you do set the wrong rocks, if they do not pertain to your business goals, if they're not directly related to your mission for or your vision for the company, then you're not going to do that great with those rocks. Also, bear in mind that it can take two quarters to master rocks. So the first time round, you're going to find it a little bit tricky to, you know, nail that process down and you will make some mistakes, but, you know, be patient and keep going. And then, you know, eventually you'll get the hang of mastering your rocks. Uh, one other pitfall could be commitment fizzle. Uh, make sure that when you roll out your rocks, you're fully committed to them every quarter. Some clients start off with a bang and then don't commit to their quarterly routine. And as a result, they stop sharing them with everyone. So you need to have full commitment and be completely committed every time you set your rocks. And then the other problem, which I've seen quite often as well, is um, too many rocks, meaning that people are trying to set too high of a goal, too high of a standard trying to put down too many things for the quarter and thinking that they're going to hit all of them by the end of the 90 days, being over-ambitious, over-optimistic and um, not really being realistic and then, you know, failing to meet the rocks or killing themselves to meet the rocks, really, you know, trying to work 80 hours a week or whatever to to complete a rock. That doesn't work. So you need to really narrow it down to maybe one or two at the most rocks per, per quarter so there are just some of the things that are outlined in this book, Traction, that I've been talking about, and it's definitely um, worth at least a couple a couple of reads. You know, the first time round, you'll just absorb the um, overarching strategy and methodology behind it. But I think if you read it a second time, it really sinks in, and you um, know, some companies really live this book or system by the letter and everything they do is, is based around the traction or the EOS methodology. And then I've seen other companies that, you know, understand it, um, really want to implement it, but don't live it to the letter. And they're, you know, maybe doing some things, but not maybe doing others. And it really it really doesn't behoove you to do it. That way it makes sense to, to go all in on it. So it's one of those things that um, if you're going to do it, go in with a you know full heart and just be 100% committed to getting those six components right. And I think um, that's where I've seen the most success of this system being used within companies. So the EOS or the Entrepreneurial Operating System isn't the only way that you can you know put down a system for your business there are other ways of doing it but um, for me it's been one that really makes sense and is really intuitive and um, I've seen it work for a handful of companies so that's the reason why I'm touting that particular methodology today in my podcast and so if you've implemented EOS in your company, I'd love to hear your experience with it, you know, whether it be positive or negative, you know, if you had success, I'd love to hear how you went about doing it, what kind of successes you experienced, or on the other side, if you were not able to implement it to its full capabilities, I'd love to hear some of the challenges that you've faced, some of the issues that may have, you know, prevented you from making it a roaring success. And what did you do instead? You know, did you implement a different strategy or did you use something more custom for your company? So I'd love to hear your story and feel free to email me and reach out and let's talk about your experiences. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did like what you heard, please subscribe to catch more episodes and I'd really appreciate it if you left me a review and shared with your friends and colleagues. Visit my website at com. connect with me on LinkedIn, or send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time.